shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers mm. or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more <gasps> bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay. For the ones who are always in the know. For the ones who keep things running. For the innovators and the problem solvers. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, experienced staff at local branches, and free access to experts to help answer your toughest questions. So whatever challenge you face, we have the knowledge and products to help. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with carrier. Products sold separately. Shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers. Mm. Or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more <gasps> bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay. Hey everybody, it's Sam with Pro Wrestling Overtime. And I want to do something a little different than what I've been doing with some of the smaller promotions. I don't want to call them little because they're not. And... I even hate calling them smaller because they draw from so many other promotions that they're really not. I don't want to call them minor because the people that actually go to the shows and follow it, it's not minor to them. But on Friday night, I guess it was, um, GCW had a show they had a double barrel Texas show Friday night they were in Houston and then Saturday night they were in Dallas so we're going to talk about Friday night's show it was called Fight Club Houston and I think what we're going to do is talk topics I told you guys when I started this new podcast, Pro Wrestling Overtime, I don't really want to review matches. Now, if I'm commentating live, then that's one thing. But I think it's better off if we really just talk more big picture topics that are happening in shows, storylines that are happening in shows. And so, I really 
think that that's where we're going to go. I'm going to try it for this episode. We're going to see how I feel afterwards. And if you guys like it, you guys know you can hit me up on Twitter. It's Pro Overtime, two O's, Pro Overtime. Uh, Facebook, it's Pro Wrestling Overtime. It's a page, but you can messenger me from there. Pro Wrestling Overtime at Instagram. And then it's Pro Wrestling OT at gmail.com. So, let's kind of start with Fight Club in Houston. The first matchup was um, Joey Janela versus Dante Leon. I saw Dante, um, like I've told you before, WrestleMania week as part of the collective. I was semi-impressed with him, I guess. If you can be semi-impressed. I had heard so much of him, I guess I had expected more. I was actually shocked this was uh, Joey Janela's first match by. If you guys don't remember, Joey Janela took a shot to the head that was pretty rough. He's been out, I would say, six, seven weeks with concussion-like symptoms. He was like the old days, the old boys that used to wrestle. I seriously think that when he got that concussion, he thought, mm, I'll be out a week, maybe two. <coughs> That's why you kept seeing his name pop up. He's going to wrestle this person. He's going to wrestle that person. And it really didn't happen. They kept having to replace him or cancel. He became a commentator at a couple GCW shows. Um, I think they even advertised him for Elevation. Uh, AEW Elevation, I think about two weeks ago. And they had to cancel him. He didn't. He wasn't medically cleared. So, I guess it just shocked me that number one, Dante Leon, would be the first guy that he would face, and number two, that it would be at a GCW show. So when they announced this, I was immediately, um. Wondering, was Joey Janela in his first match back going to do a death match? <coughs> GCW runs shows that are all death matches, as you heard me on Tournament of Survival. But on almost all of their shows. Especially if you see Nick Gage advertise, there's going to be at least one death match. And possibly even more. And then there's going to be some matches 
they don't announce them as no rules, but sometimes that's a pe- <laughs> what it appears to be is no rules. And then there are some matches that are really straight up technical wrestling matches. And I knew it was <laughs> it wasn't gonna be a straight up technical match. But both of them gave it their all. Dante Leon did not take it easy on Joey Janela, and I'm sure Janela probably told him not to. But something that caught my ear was the announcers who said Dante Leon seems to want to go everywhere that Joey has been. He looks up to him. And I think that's the topic that I want to take on for this first match is how many wrestlers started out idolizing or respecting so much different wrestlers that they basically wanted to be them. They wanted to accomplish everything that they had accomplished. They wanted to win the belts that they won. They wanted to almost be like the wrestler that they looked up to, the mentor, or anything like that. And so I kind of started thinking, who would be like that? I don't think Dante Leon takes on a lot of Joey Janela's style. He does take on a lot of high-flying maneuvers. But I think they meant as far as collecting the belts he had, going to a lot of the promotions he went to, um, being in different events. And then, of course, then that made me wonder, is he headed for AEW? Because I look for him to be signed probably within a year, year and a half. Does he turn down Impact Wrestling or MLW or something like that, even WWE, in order to go where Janelle has been and go to AAW? And then I guess that led me to thinking... Really, it has to be almost like a mentor. I want to be like my mentor or I want to be better than my mentor. Or I truly think this guy is great and I want to achieve what he has. Because, think about it. You have Randy Orton, who is 
Cowboy Bob Orton's son. And at no point in time did he truly say, I want to be like my dad. I want to go the same places. I want to be in the same events. I want to get the same belts. It was almost like when Randy got discharged from the Marines and he came to WWE from OVW that it was immediately, I don't want to be my dad. I want to be better than my dad. And it's the same thing almost with Charlotte Flair. You know, she'll tell you and has told you in, in books, um, she didn't want to be a wrestler. That's not what she went to college for. That's, you know, it had never crossed her mind. But then after seeing David and Reed, her, her brothers, and wanting to accomplish things that Reed could not, she decided to go into wrestling and found out that she had a love of it. But she's made no bones about it that she doesn't have to be in the same events as her dad. She doesn't have to be in the same kind of matches. You know, her dad was in a strap match. I don't see Charlotte really wanting to go after that. Um, she's up to, I think she's an 11-time champion or a 13-time champion. Her dad's got 16. Do I think she wants to beat him? Yes, because she's a competitor. She competes at everything. She played volleyball at the college Division One level. So... I don't think they it, that it has to be relation. I mean, when you look at Bray Wyatt, I don't think he wants to live up to his dad, Mike Rotunda's um, career. But then <clears throat> you look at Eddie Guerrero and Sasha Banks. She fell in love with him at 10, 12, 13 years old. She still watches his matches today. How he conducts himself, how he talks, how he portrays his character, the ring psychology, the different character movements he made throughout his career. He wasn't always La Cheat and Steel. When you go back to his WCW days when he was running around with Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko and when he was performing in Canada and in New Japan, I think in New Japan he actually even wore a mask for some time. I, I can't remember what he was called. Something, I think, Tiger. But had excellent matches against... Ben Law. And I can see that with Sasha Banks. 
Not that I think that she wants to go wrestle in Canada or she wants to go to Japan and wrestle or that she wants to go to WCW, who doesn't even exist. <clears throat> I don't even know that she wants to obtain the same belts, championships that he did. I think it is more of a character thing. And when you go back and listen to some of Eddie Guerrero's uh, interviews, or you read something on a website about him, or if you talk to Vicky Guerrero, she has her own podcast, and she's on a lot of different podcasts. She talked about how, yes, Eddie's character went through different developments. But basically, he stayed the same character. He got different wrestling moves or techniques that he highlighted at different points in his career. But he was always kind of a tweener. He might be a heel for six months and something that the crowd got attached to brought him over to the babyface side. And he might do that for a year and then all of a sudden he's the lie, cheat, and steal driving the car that bounced and all of that. Well, when you look at Sasha Banks' career development, it's kind of like that. Think about it. She's always been the legit boss. She kind of is the same person character all the way through her career. Yes, she's been a babyface. Yes, she's been a heel. Uh, me, personally, I love her better as a heel, and I love her as an authoritative, dominating heel. Um, I think that's what upset a lot of Sasha Banks fans during um, the golden era of the pandemic, I would say from March to October, was the fact that she really, truly wanted to be the baby face of the tag team, of the friendship that Evil Hill Bailey had created and so many fans wanted her to be a true heel. I remember saying that probably in May. I wish she would just turn full-fledged heel. Not knowing that either Sasha and Bailey had the vision of her eventually turning, or WWE did. But 
you got to see her in a different light. Where she was the obvious baby faces of the tag team or of the friendship. But she was still willing to cheat. But she was more apt to allow Bailey to do it for her. And so she really was crossing those lines almost on a weekly basis. Kind of like Eddie Guerrero did. And so I find that really interesting when I compare that to Dante Leon. Is he going to follow that with Joey Janela? Is he going to have the same character, bad boy type? Or is it that he just wants to emulate where he went in championships he won? Or does he eventually maybe want to become his own character, his own wrestler, that when kids and teenagers see him, they don't want to be Joey Janela 3. They want to be like Dante Leon, who is extremely talented. So, I hope what the announcer said that caught my ear isn't true. I hope that he really forms and becomes his own wrestler. Of course, Joey Janela ended up winning that match because it was his first match back. He, You know, he was going to. Second match was Mysterious Q versus Matthew Justice. I told you last time when I, no, it was time before last, when I had watched Matthew Justice, he had kind of impressed me. Um, this match, the topic, and some of you may not even like this topic, because I'm sure you grew up loving wrestling during the Attitude Era. And who doesn't love Stone Cold Steve Austin? Now, I love Steve Stone Cold Steve Austin. Number one, he's smarter than the average bear. He's smarter than what he lets on. I love the cocky swagger that he came down the ramp with. I loved his entrance. I love the stories that he told with Mr. McMahon. I don't know. I know a lot of people when they think of the Attitude Era, they think of Degeneration X. I don't. I think of Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon. And I think if those two weren't part of the Attitude Era, I don't know that there is an Attitude Era. But see, I talked to a lot of my friends. They love the stone cold, flipping people off, sometimes having to get beat because he's cussing, saying whatever he wants to his opponent, yelling at the announcer's desk, yelling at fans in the crowd. But they absolutely love 
after he won doing the beer bash, the double-fisted beer drinking. See, when I, excuse me, when I think of Stone Cold, that may be one of the last things I kind of think about. And I know that sounds weird. But I have also listened to so many of his interviews on his own podcast and saw what he gets interested in. And when he gets interested in it, it's almost like he gets chased up and that he's obsessed. And there are certain wrestlers that he absolutely loves to talk to and you can tell he doesn't want to let him go. And then there are others that go on there and he is bored out of his freaking mind. And so the reason why I bring up Stone Cold is because Mysterious Q versus Matthew Justice almost became a beer drinking contest. They both came out. Matthew Justice stood up. Somebody threw him a beer. He cracked it open. He downed it. And then he pointed to Mysterious Q. Mysterious Q held up his hand. Somebody threw him a beer. Cracked it open. At one point, they both pointed at the referee. And the referee held up his hand. And they threw him a beer. He cracked it. And I thought, is this a wrestling match or a beer drinking contest? Because all of this was done before the match. I bet Matthew Justice, he didn't drink them all. But I bet they threw him four beers at least. Well, I've told you guys before. I have coaching background. And so, when I'm seeing this, my immediate thought is, what are these kids that look up to these guys thinking? Do they think this is cool and okay? I mean, we just had Jimmy Uso arrested on a DUI. I'm not sure the referee, who is in charge of keeping them safe, And I know he took one drink, maybe two. But still, what picture does that paint? What picture did Stone Cold paint that we didn't pay any attention to, but yet years later, now, I see it, and that's my immediate thought. What are they teaching these kids? Should they be drinking or, you know, before the match? Should they be doing this? And so that immediately brings me to the PC world that we live in today and what we can and cannot say and almost how it's allowed AEW and GCW to get over as much as they have. Because for so long. After the Attitude Era. 
we went into the PG era or the G era and you saw none of that. Do I want to go back to where women don't show off their athletic wrestling technical skills and go back to bra and panty matches? No. Um, but I wonder if there can't be some kind of balance. I have loved AEW since it started, and I absolutely love Inner Circle, Flash in the Middle Finger, um, John Moxley, Flash in the Middle Finger, AEW Cussing on TV and them not beeping certain words out that everybody thought that they would. Going to a live show, an AEW live show, you hear all kinds of cussing because, you know, they're in commercial. Or, like I said, I went to that one house show and, yeah, they let it fly. GCW does too. So, I think it's like when I'm really involved in a show or in a match, and it's about me enjoying it, then I think I don't care. I have seen Matthew Justice wrestle, like I said, once. I've never heard of Mysterious Q. And so, when they came out and immediately started doing that, I didn't have any background on them. I didn't know them. I didn't know whether I liked them or not, or they were going to be boring, or they were going to put on the match of my life. So I think... That's what made me automatically revert to the PC world. But should pro wrestling, who is out, kind of on the outskirts of things now, it's not as mainstream and popular and gathering three and a half million viewers, should they even be PC? And so I kind of got to to thinking a little along those lines. And Matthew Justice did end up winning. And then they had six or seven men. Um, They had a Lucha Libre, basically, match. Uh, Lowrider, who I'd never seen or heard of. Gringo Loco, who is from MLW and the Independent Circuit. Aramis. Uh, ASF, who I had never seen before. Golden Dragon and Aries uh, were in it. This became chaos. Um... It was fun. It was total craziness. Them flipping, flying, 
jumping over each other, on each other, um, bouncing off ring ropes, and fighting inside and outside. And you could tell this was for the people there. It wasn't necessarily for a TV crew or the people that were behind the pay-per-view because they had, you know, two people on this side of the ring going after it, flipping off chairs, flipping off the apron, they had two in the ring that were pounding each other, submit, doing submissions, and just going crazy. And then you had two other guys that were in the ring but ended up out of the ring. And there was no laying down and hiding. There was no, oh, you're on the outside, I am going to do a suicide dive, and I'm going to take you out, and it's going to be so bad, we now have to lay here for three minutes. No, they were in the crowd going after it, they were in, the, in and out of the ring. It was fabulous. I loved it. Afterwards, Lowrider won. People stood up and threw money in the ring. Some of them, yes, were dollar bills, but I'll tell you what, there were some 20s in there. But the wrestlers were picking it up and going to divide it when they got in the locker room. But my goodness, I mean... It wasn't like anyone told the fans to do that. They literally wanted to thank them. And they threw money and then gave them basically a standing ovation. Where do you see that in WWE, AEW, um, Impact Wrestling, uh, MLW... NWA, New Japan Strong, you don't, you don't see that, and I thought, oh my gosh, that is almost the ultimate way to pay respect to someone. Then we had Brian Keith versus AJ Gray. I didn't really have a topic for this. I like AJ Gray. This is probably the worst match I've seen him in. They literally went outside of the ring and made the fans move so that they could grab their chairs, fold them up, and throw them at each other. And I thought, uh, that's pretty cool. Oh, you're going to throw it back. Okay. Oh, you're going to throw another one. 
And like I said, it went on for like a minute and a half, two minutes. And I was thinking, is did I miss this? Is this what the match is? We're going to throw chairs at each other? I, I don't get this. Why is AJ Gray even doing this? And, you know, it ended with AJ hitting him with four clotheslines in a row, pretty much decapitating him and killing him. But, of course, AJ Gray won. I couldn't think of a topic because I couldn't believe this match. Like I said, it's the worst AJ Gray match that I think I've seen. We then got Chris Carter versus Jimmy Lloyd. Jimmy Lloyd's nickname is a different kind of boy. And I kind of got stuck on that when they announced him because I was like, what does that mean? And so, I kind of went off in Never Never Land and was pondering that. What does a different kind of boy mean to Jimmy Lloyd? Because I'm just now getting into and seeing his career. I remember doing the review for Jimmy Lloyd uh, Degeneration F show WrestleMania week. And I thought the last match with Jimmy Lloyd versus Starboy Charlie was horrific. And I left. And I know some of you find that hard to believe, but I did. I just left. I was like, I can't take this anymore. It's too hot, and this is stupid. Then I see him the next time I see Jimmy Lloyd, and he's actually wrestling. Actually going through the motions. And actually putting on a good match. I see him in Tournament of Survival 6 in a death match. Um, he came out as one of the ghouls. And I thought, well, that's cool. This match, because I was kind of spaced out thinking about it, I missed it. I... I was watching it, but I really wasn't. I love the ending of him putting a Joker driver on Chris Carter from, I think it was the second ring rope, and he put him through a door. And I was like, that is an awesome move. And of course he pinned him, and Jimmy Lloyd won. Um... Then, we got a triple threat match of Aaron Sykes, who I've never seen, uh, uh, Cade, and Sam Stockhouse. 
Sam Stockhouse, I guess a lot of people in the Midwest know about. He became a virtual sensation. He's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. This was actually his first televised pay-per-view, whatever you want to call it, match. This was his first match for GCW. And he is huge. I'm not getting into any kind of body shaming or anything like that. Alexa Bliss, please do not call me out on it. But he is a huge man. He is extremely out of shape. I don't know what kind of virtual sensation he became. I need to look him up on YouTube. But running around the ring, being in a triple threat match, they put him in a triple threat match, I am almost positive. So that he could take rest breaks. Because he went outside to kind of chase after one of them and get them in a hold and slam them. And he stopped and put his hands on his knees. Was breathing hard. His face was blood red. And I thought, well, this old boy from Oklahoma is going to pass out right here on this paper. Now, he didn't. But I really seriously thought he was going to. Uh, it was kind of a crazy, violent match. I don't know if they actually put this match together. They were throwing each other through tables and doing stupid stuff. And the crowd, I think, got as bored as I do. Uh, because I was thinking, can we end this? All three of these guys, I am not impressed with. Especially the viral sensation, Sam Stockhouse. Who ended up winning? Because right before he won, it really did look like the crowd appeared to be bored. They started chanting and pointing at Sam Stackhouse and yelling, You sold out. And I thought, How did he sell out? I don't think he was making any money off of YouTube or you know it may have been some but if he wasn't the one shooting the video or actually it wasn't under his account he might not have been making any he's now wrestling in GCW for the first time ever I don't know that he necessarily even has a character and they're telling him he sold out why? Because he's on a pay-per-view? Why? Because he decided to wrestle for GCW? Um, yeah, I don't think that rates a you sold out chant.
we got Jack Cartwheel versus Ninja Mike next. I was truly looking forward to this one. I had saw the last show that I had watched how athletic Jack Cartwheel was. I've been impressed with Ninja Mike since I saw him at WrestleMania week. They did not mesh. Um, there was something about their chemistry. They just couldn't get it right. And I don't, I don't know that, I know why. I have no clue. Um, there were times Jack Cartwell actually did cartwheels around the ring and it was like he was showing off. Because Ninja Mike stood there and just watched him. He wasn't using them to lead into another move to get Ninja Mike. He was just doing cartwheels. And I thought, this is stupid. Towards the second half of the match, they actually started semi-paying attention. And it almost appeared that Ninja Mike wanted this over. And Jack Cartwell wasn't ready for it to be over. Now, Ninja Mike hit an awesome Spanish fly. And then turned it immediately. And I do mean immediately. He hit the Spanish fly and immediately transitioned to a submission move. And I thought, wow, I don't know that I've seen that kind of transition from Ninja Mike before. I've seen him be fast. I've seen him be quick. I've seen his athletic talent. But that was a technical wrestling move. And it really impressed me. And of course, Ninja Mike won. Because the next night in Dallas, Ninja Mike, who had been calling out Joey Janela, and Joey Janela had been calling out Ninja Mike, their match had been scheduled twice before and had been canceled. So they were actually going to do it in Dallas. So both of them needed to win in order to set that up. Then we got Effie versus Gino Medina. I'll go ahead and tell you so you don't even have to worry. Effie won. But what I was uh, looking at, I have no notes on this match other than Effie won. But I think The thing that impressed me and that I kept going back to over and over again during this match was Gino Medina and how he looked in the ring. I originally saw him and knew him from MLW. He had a... Three match, of course it was 1-1, and they had to have the rubber match. 
with Gringo Loco. Both of which are second generation Lucha. And, um, I was shocked that he was taking one Effie. I had no knowledge that Effie had some Lucha training in his background. But I think, like I said, what I kept going back to was Gino Medina on MLW, I feel like, plays a beta character. He definitely was when he was in the dynasty with uh, Richard Holiday and Alexander Hamilton. But then he kind of became whiny, sniveling character with Gringo before the first match. And I don't know that he ever really truly got aggressive or anything. I was beginning to think of him kind of as a jobber. He'd gotten kicked out of the dynasty for not winning and for not... Uh, having their box and everything. And I thought, he might be a second generation. I just don't know that he's any good. And I mean, I watch MLW like crazy. So I'd probably seen almost every one of his matches this season on MLW. But the Gino Medina that I saw go up against Effie was what I wanted him to be in MLW. He was aggressive. Um, It was like he had a chip on his shoulder at certain points. He was getting after it. The announcers were talking him up as far as saying that the rest of this year and the first part of 2022 should be his season. He should be able to show this and get people interested. Fans were chanting his name. Uh, the female announcer, uh, Alicat, was blowing up uh, about his physique and how much he had changed it and everything. But it was like I was seeing a brand new wrestler. And I thought, is this how he wrestles on the indies? Or is this what he is normally like? Now, the last match of the night was the main event. And I think everybody but me... Knew why it was a main event. Knew why they were excited. And I did not. I plugged this match, I think last week, without knowing the gimmick. I know you're thinking, Sam, you you know the gimmick. It's a death match. Yeah, yeah it was. But it was against Sadika. Who's a woman? That part I didn't know. I, they pumped her up 
to be the biggest, baddest person that Nick Gage had basically challenged. Nick Gage came out, of course, to his chance and proceeded to utterly destroy her. He did not care that she was a woman. I don't think he cared about her reputation. He smashed light tubes. He knocked her into tables. Uh, it was unbelievable. And at one point, I thought, GCW is giving all of the intergenerator critics ammunition. Well, no, they weren't. Because he made one slip that the announcers caught and she started her comeback. I, man, I could not believe it. She started using her power. She got uh, amped up and was throwing him through tables, busting. He put, uh, I think, four light tubes uh, down his shirt from armhole to armhole, actually. And then she drop kicked him. She had his head bleeding because she took a light tube and was carving into it. She hit a corkscrew splash off the top rope. And I thought, after all she's done, she did that and he's dead. Because she immediately moved and hit a power driver. And I was just like, this is one of the ultimate matches that I, intergender-wise, that I've seen, especially with it being a death match. I was sitting here in total amazement. I know GCW does not see sex or collar or... If you want somebody, you need to tell Brett and you need to call him out. And they'll make a match. They may need to figure out how they're going to build it and where it's going to be on the schedule. But they don't care to make a match. This match, like I said, started off slow. And I, like I said, I got a little concerned. Nick Gage was dominating like he usually is in the outside events where he's taking on a lower to mid-tier newer wrestler. She came back and you saw why she was the big, baddest uh, person that the announcers were talking about. But again, she made, I think, two slip-ups. Nick Gage took advantage of it, and he won. Now, he has, has a match the next night 
at You Only Die Once. It's against Vega. So, no one thought she was going to beat him. But they told such a compelling story, and the announcers told such a compelling story, that I was on the edge of my couch thinking, are they going to swerve us? Is she really going to win? And, you know, then I came down to the fact, nah, she's not going to win. And she didn't. But he totally respected her. Um, She was resting, and he went over, got her from the ring corner, and put her hands up in the air, and really thanked her. And I don't blame them. They need to have a rematch as far as I'm concerned. I'll watch them anytime GCW wants me to. So that's the end of the card of GCW Fight Club Houston on July 9th. I changed it up a little bit. I talked about some topics instead of just giving you blow by blow of... The match. So, I don't know. Um, I don't know how how that's going to go over with you guys. I don't even know how it went over with me. I do like talking topics, if you guys can't tell. But, with something like GCW, where most of you haven't seen it, you're not into GCW, you don't know the characters... You don't know what's going on. Part of me thinks that I should be telling you about the match. Because some of these stars, some of these wrestlers are going to be moving up soon. And you need to know their background and what they can and cannot do. So I I don't know if I'm going to continue this format or not. It's one thing to watch... Like a WWE Raw. And go over topics with you or storylines. Because I would be willing to guess 60-70% of you watch WWE Raw. You already know what I'm talking about. I don't have to backtrack and explain stuff to you. So, I don't know. I'm excited about this weekend. We've got Warrior Wrestling on Saturday. I'm telling you, that card is stacked. And I, I mean, it is stacked. They've got some really good matches set up. So many that I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm being honest. I really don't know what I'm going to do. Because Warrior Wrestling, I mean, they're bringing Brian Cage back. Uh, Dan Hausler is going to be there. There's some serious people. You know, you got Kylie Rae taking on uh, Lady Frost for the belt. I, 
But then you've got Slammiversary. And while I don't think Slammiversary's card is anything to write home about, the fact that they may surprise us. Um, that's what I live for in wrestling. Them introducing a new wrestler that I had no clue was going to sign with them like they did Malachi Black in AEW. So, I don't know which one I'll watch. Because they're both pay-per-views. I will watch both of them, but I guess which one do I watch first? And then on Sunday, we've got Hell in a Cell. Or, excuse me, Money in the Bank. I'm not interested in that at all. Um, it's it's going to be rough. I was really hoping that Carmella would win the briefcase for the third time in a row. And, of course, Bailey got hurt, so they stuck her in a match with Bianca. A lot of people figure Sasha Banks will be back on Friday. And will be in the Money in the Bank match on Sunday. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, people. I don't see her winning it. I really don't. I think that they tease her winning it, but then they swerve us. But I think this weekend coming up is going to be unreal. And I'm... Kind of waiting and watching to see what they do with Jimmy Uso. Because I don't think they're going to do anything. But that's kind of where I stand. Write me, uh, prowrestlingot at gmail.com. Tell me whether you like this new format. Do you want me to do like I did in the Joey Janela, Dante Leon? Instead of telling you every flip they made, taking the topic, talking about Dante Leon, uh, comparing himself and trying to emulate uh, Joey Janela, kind of like how Sasha Banks has in her career with Eddie Guerrero. Or do you like me actually just calling the matches? So uh, just let me know. And I will be talking to you guys soon, and I'll see you down the road.